Hello, and welcome to Moore's Afraid of the Dark, but not really the podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking about the tale of the hungry hounds. So sit back, members, and enjoy the podcast. Hello members, and welcome to another episode of More is Afraid of the Dark, but not really the podcast. This is episode 6, and today we're talking about The Tale of the Hungry Hounds. The Tale of the Hungry Hounds is our first Kristen story, and based on this story, I'm surprised they kept her around. It's not to say that she's a horrible storyteller, it's just I personally don't like her stories, and I don't find them very scary. This episode also guest starred a young Mia Krishner in a duo role. So without further ado, let's get started. I will say that even though I don't particularly like Kristen as a storyteller, I can appreciate the fact that this episode, like many episodes in the first season, tend to focus more on the storytelling and the lore, if you will, surrounding the actual Midnight Society. So a good portion of this episode actually takes place around the campfire. So get ready, because not only is Kirsten going to be late, she's also going to put us to sleep tonight. Um, This is another episode. I should point out that I also don't remember actually watching when it aired. It aired on September 19th. I did not have a regular TV watching schedule as an eight-year-old, and I think Are You Afraid of the Dark was on late enough that I probably forgot it existed for a while. Plus, a lot of the times when it would air, particularly in the summer, I wasn't even at home. I'd be in Hawaii visiting relatives. Anyway, this tale, as I've mentioned, is brought to us by Kirsten. This is the first episode with the Kirsten story, and she is late to the meeting yet again. The episode opens with Kiki and Betty Ann adding twigs to the fire pit. I'm not sure what to call the area where they build the campfire, so I'll just call it a fire pit because that's essentially what it is, right? A place where they build the fire. A place that gives them warmth during the telling of these scary tales. So Betty Ann and Kiki are kind of just doing their own thing. I think uh, this episode really shows the friendship dynamic, if you will, between Betty Ann and Kiki when Kiki hears a noise from the woods. Um, At this point, I had a picture in the blog of Betty Ann, and I have a Pocahontas quote, which goes, Can you sing with all the voices of the mountains? Can you paint with all the colors of the wind? Because the picture that I have is just too perfect not to put that Pocahontas quote in there. It turns out the noise the girls are hearing is just the idiot, Eric, making chicken noises with the rest of the guys. Not sure why Gary, Frank, David, and Eric all had to get wood. It is not like they are going to stay longer than an hour, unless they were stockpiling for the next meeting. Gary comes over and puts some logs into the fire pit, and Kiki takes the matches to light the fire. Unfortunately, Kiki doesn't know how to use matches, and she burns her fingers with fire. She burns her fingers for like a good five seconds. I would have dropped the match and not try to put it out, but that's just me because I like my fingertips and I don't like being burned. It hurts. I had also put in my notes that this was one of the only times we see the Midnight Society building the fire. Um, The other episode where this happens is the tale of the Ghastly Grinner, 
Oddly enough, it was Kiki who got the fire going in that episode with two sticks. Maybe Kiki was a Girl Scout. Maybe our girl Kiki is holding out on us and she actually does know how to use matches. You know, we don't know that side of Kiki because she doesn't share that with us. So eventually, Keekster and Gary and Betty Ann get the fire started. And Gary mentions how they need to make a rule about latecomers. I'm kind of surprised he does not already have a rule about latecomers, because Gary seems like he's very much by the book and would frown upon anybody coming late to a meeting. They then hear a howling, and Betty Ann asks what that sound was, which confuses me because she is smart. She should know it is a dog. Maybe they have coyotes in the Canadian woods? I don't know. I guess that's easily confused with the dog. Frank tells them it sounds like a hound dog. Eric says maybe it is Kristen. And Frank says she's not a dog. Because apparently Frank really has like a crush on her. So they're all sitting around and the howling gets closer. I would have thought Kiki would be freaking out at this point. Because we learn in the tale of the dangerous soup that she is afraid of dogs. But she does not appear to be scared. Anyway, Kristen finally shows up and apologizes for being late. She tells them she had to pick up Elvis, her dog. Someone, I'm not sure who, asks who Elvis is. Eric says, Elvis ain't nothing but a hound dog. And Betty Ann says, my, do my dad says Elvis is king. And if Lilo and Stitch were around, I'd put in my two cents about how Lilo loves Elvis, but I digress. Speaking of Lilo and Stitch... Have you seen that apparently they're going to make a live action version of the movie? I have a lot of very strong feelings about this, but this is not the time nor the place to share them with you, dear members. That is for a different time. So they all take their seats around the campfire, and Kristen says she brought Elvis for the sound effects, which is nonsense since he does not make a sound for a long time. And since Kristen has Elvis, she can't do the normal rituals of throwing in the midnight dust. So she turns to her trusty companion, David, and says, David, do me the honors. David grabs a handful of the midnight dust, aka non-dairy creamer, throws it on the fire, and Kristen says, Submit it for the approval of the Midnight Society. I call this story, <laughs> The Tale of the Hungry Hounds. This tale starts with the young Mia Krishner as Pam, a country girl who longs to ride horses. Her city cousin Amy is visiting for the entire summer. It happens to be a rainy day and they are going through the attic of Pam's house. They are trying on old, old clothes. Pam is in her grandfather's wedding outfit while Amy's trying on her grandmother's wedding dress and they're just having a grand old time. Pam decides to take the coat and hat off and says to Amy, imagine my mom and your father were just a twinkle in our grandfather's eye. Pam gets all weirdly nostalgic and stuff, and Amy is just kind of walking around the rest of the attic when she comes across a trunk that's making noises like it has a mouse or a rat in it. And come to find out, it's their dead Aunt Dora's trunk. And Aunt Dora died as a teenager, apparently, and she was not an explorer who went on adventures with their distant cousin Diego. I'll be honest, because I didn't care for this story, I had to rewatch it before I re recorded this, well, recorded this podcast, because a lot of it was a little uh, sketchy for me, and I wanted to make sure to give a true representation of what it actually was versus what I had blogged about, because I 
really, really do not like this story. And at some point after the addict, the two girls end up outside where Amy complains a lot. And she asks Pam, you know, what is there to do for fun? Because they're in the country and I imagine the only TV station they get is PBS. I mean, don't get me wrong, I like PBS. That's where you can watch Arthur and Word Girl and, I don't know, I guess Sesame Street. There's some good shows. Uh, Antiques Roadshow, for instance. Well, Pam asks Amy if she can keep a secret. And Amy is all like, and Amy's like, yeah, of course I can keep a secret. So Pam takes her and shows her the horse next door. I'll admit I didn't pay enough attention when watching this the first time and re-watching it a couple nights ago to learn if the horse even had a name. Actually, I'm pretty sure it didn't have a name. So Pam also apparently keeps a carrot in her pocket because in the next thing we see is Pam pulling a carrot out of the back of her pants. Um, you know, maybe Pam is one of those people who's optimistic and thinks, oh, maybe today I'll see a random horse that's hungry and I can feed it. Who knows? Who knows the logic behind that one? So Pam gives the horse a carrot and then Amy's like, well, big deal. He's like a big dog. And then Pam sneakily smiles at Amy and says, watch this. Pam tries to mount the horse, but just as she does, her mom drives up, honks the horn, and it freaks the horse out, kind of bucking Pam off of the fence. And she lands not on her back, but like more on her butt. And that like really freaks Pam's mom out. Um, it turns out the reason Pam's mom panicked about the horse is because guess how Aunt Dora died? Aunt Dora died. Well, apparently riding a horse, or at least that's what I'm led to believe, because Aunt Dora had riding clothes, and Pam apparently has been bugging her mom about riding lessons, but her mom's too afraid to let her ride because her dead sister's spirit is controlling her? I don't know, that part of the story is very vague. So Pam's mom drags them to the house to have dinner, and the next day, Pam and Amy are playing with a Ouija board, and they ask it questions which I guess is normal for people in the country to play with a Ouija board. I mean, I personally think that's more of a bad thing than to ride a horse, but that's me. So Pam and Amy get the bright idea to start asking the spirit questions. And the spirit replies, let me out. Except for Amy thinks it says let mouth and Pam's like, no, it says let me out. It spells out L-E-T-M-E-O-U-T. And we are left to presume it is the ghost of Aunt Dora who, once again, is not an explorer. The ghost then gives the girls the combination to the lock that is on the trunk. So Pam and Amy do the only natural thing that two teenage girls in the country without cable TV do. They go back up to the addict. Amy, she doesn't really care about ghosts, and it doesn't freak her out. She wants to totally open that trunk, but Pam is like, no way. Mom says let the dead rest, which is kind of ironic considering they had just played with a Ouija board. So Pam obviously has selective memory or selective rules for how her mom meant that. Anyways, Amy opens the trunk and they find Dora's riding outfit. Pam puts the jacket on and is transformed into Dora. The attic opens up and a staircase leads them to a family graveyard. And in case you're a little lost, here's a brief recap of what just happened. Amy and Pam outside playing with a Ouija board. Ouija board's spirit tells them, let me out, presumably of the trunk. It gives them the code for the lock that's on top of the trunk. They go through the trunk, 
see a picture of Aunt Dora, which, surprise, surprise, is a doppelganger of Pam. Pam puts on the riding jacket, and now she's magically Aunt Dora. So that is the dual role that Mia Krishner plays. She plays both Dora in the past and Pam in the present. Now that we're all caught up, let's continue on. Pam leaves a single stalk of wheat on Dora's grave. Maybe Dora really liked bread. I don't know. Obviously, gluten-free stuff wasn't a thing back then. After Pam does this, Giles appears. Giles was apparently like a stable hand or something, and he goes up to Pam because he thinks Pam is Dora. Actually, everybody thinks she's Dora in this episode from this point onward. And Giles says to her, it's about time you did your chores. Adora, who once again is not an explorer, needs to feed the hounds. And thus is how we got the title of the story, The Tale of the Hungry Hounds. So Dora and Amy head to the barn, where presumably Giles, I guess, locks them in, because now all of a sudden the barn door is locked. I'm not really sure. I started losing interest around this time um, on both the occasions I watched this episode. Plus, when I wrote my blog, I was apparently eating a breakfast of yakisoba and almost choked on the noodles. Uh, when I watched it the second time, I think I was probably eating candy, probably a Snickers bar, because I like Snickers, and it's just after Halloween, so I would still have some Snickers. Um, I was also, apparently, when I wrote the blog, eating some Maltesers and drinking apple juice. But now that you know what I like to eat and drink, let's continue on. Anyways, Elvis makes a noise, and we are brought back to the Midnight Society. Eric asks Elvis if he smells a fox. Betty Ann deduces that she thinks he might be scared, but I'm almost certain Elvis was not paying attention to this snooze fest and was just whining to go home and sleep. Kiki says maybe he is hungry, and Gary just laughs. Kristen shoves a treat down Elvis's throat, and David asks, who locked them in the barn? Kristen says it might have been Giles or it might have been another ghost. And at this point, I'm thinking, really, the tale is almost over and you're going to tease us with yet another ghost to try and make this story more scary, perhaps? I'm not buying it and you are losing my interest now at a rate of the speed of light, Kristen. If it was up to me, we would take a vote and I would vote you out of the Midnight Society and place myself in your position. So after that little debacle, we'll brought, we are brought back into the story. Dora has now become obsessed with feeding the hounds. Amy is convinced at this point that the power over Pam is the coat, and so she tries to get Dora, who she also was calling Pam, to take the jacket off. But Dora is just kind of hypnotized and keeps telling Amy, I have to feed the hounds. My brother and sister are 10 years old. Just these like random facts about them, like we even care. So Dora at this point is determined to feed the hounds and Amy is all, what are you going to feed them? Me? And Dora is like, no, kibble, like that big bag of kibble sitting over there. So Amy shoves Dora into a stable and locks it and she decides that she'll go and get the kibble. But Dora slash Pam is all too smart about this and she grabs um, what can only be described as like a leather belt and loops it around the handle and pulls it up and lets herself out of her stable. At this point Amy's kind of struggling to drag the bag of kibble to the dogs and Dora 
is slowly walking towards the door and we hear all these dogs barking and they sound like they're going to be really big dogs and she eventually opens the door to let the hounds in and we see that the dogs are actually just domesticated Jack Russell Terriers. And we find out the reason that the dogs are barking aggressively is because when Dora does open the door, we see that they are actually chasing a fox. A fox known as Mapati Rouge, or the red, the little red. The hounds run outside to chase the foxes, and Dora takes off on a horse. And that's the last we'll see of Dora, a horse, the fox, and the dogs. I also want to point out that Amy, before they went into the barn, tells Dora that they should go back to the attic, and Dora's like, no, he'll get lost, you won't know how to go there. Um, but since Dora took off on the horse, Amy somehow found herself back up in the attic and she wonders aloud how she's going to explain to her aunt that Pam is now suddenly missing when Pam reappears telling Amy that she needs to feed the dogs. Amy freaks out and says, you just have one dog. And Pam is all, that's what I said, I have to feed the dog. And Amy is all, no, you said dogs. And Pam is all, what does it matter? It matters, Pam. Syllables matter. So we've now reached the end of the story where Kristen does her voiceover. And Kristen ends her story by saying that Pam tried one more time to ask her mom for writing lessons, and her mom agreed to let her take them. Gary tells the Midnight Society, remember to feed your dog, because if you forget, he may have a bone to pick with you. My dog normally just stares at me from the kitchen and makes me feel uncomfortable. And to me, the funny part is, is the members all just kind of groan at Gary's joke, especially Betty Ann. Like, you can just see the, her cringe. Gary then decides the meeting is over and I can finally stop watching this bullshit because that's exactly what this episode was. It was a tale of nothing scary and a tale of, oh my god, I must have forgot to do my chores and oh no, I might turn into my dead aunt and oh no, my mom might not let me ride a horse. But now let's move into my favorite part, my review. In my blog, the review section of each episode is called Morris Thoughts, until I forgot to call it that, and I just started writing a summary or something else. And this is my favorite part of the blog post and these podcasts, because I get to really share with you my feelings of these episodes. So here are some of my thoughts. My first thought was, this story had potential, but it was really boring. Um, the reason I feel this story is boring is because it could have been told in a less amount of time, and it was just so repetitive, and nothing ever happened. Like, honestly, the scariest part of this episode was when Amy and Pam were playing with the Ouija board, and Aunt Dora's spirit, you know, messaged them, let me out, and then gave them the combination to her trunk. That was literally the scariest part, and it didn't, it just didn't do anything for me as a viewer. I think this is my least favorite episode of the entire series. Um, I just, for me, it did nothing for the series, and they should not have even considered this an episode. That being said, I don't think there was anything they could have done to make this a scary episode given what the story was about. It was literally about feeding your animals and forgetting to do your chores. The only, the only improvement I suppose the story could have had would have been if uh, Pam didn't turn into Aunt Dora and Aunt Dora's ghost came to them and like spooked them into Pam doing the chores and 
maybe her mom seeing her sister spirit for the first time and being like, oh, now we can lay you to rest. I don't know. My second thought, and my thoughts are in, in no particular order, is it would have been better if they had more cuts to the Midnight Society. Um, for me in particularly, I feel this because I just did not like the story. If I was able to see the other people who are hearing it and not necessarily seeing it um, react to what was happening, I may have appreciated it more because they could have asked more questions. Also, the cuts to the Midnight Society helped to break it up. Well, and by break it up, I mean break up the story a bit. And it would have kept my interest because I'm personally more invested in the Midnight Society rather than this particular story. And this isn't the only story I feel that strongly about it. Because at the end of the day, the way this series is presented is we're the unseen member of the Midnight Society, and therefore we're also judging these stories based on who's telling them. And so since I'm the unseen member, I didn't like this. I would have liked to see more interaction with my fellow members so they could put their two cents in on what they thought was happening or what they were feeling. But that may not have been able to happen because maybe the creators thought they'd be breaking the fourth wall too often. I think that as a child watching this, it would have really helped me understand the story better. My third thought was that this is Kristen's first story that we hear. Um, luckily for us, she starts to tell better stories as the series progress. Kristen also only lasted two seasons. And in fact, her next story is one of the better ones. Um, it's the story of the prom queen. My fourth thought is Gary should have told Kristen that he does not approve of this story. This is a perfect example of a story that should not receive approval and it should have revoked Kristen's rights to tell stories. Um, in one of Betty Ann's stories, I think it was the tale of the night Neely neighbors, Betty Ann says that she submits the approval to the Midnight Society, except for to Eric because she doesn't want his approval. I think that when Kristen went to submit this story, Gary should have held his hand up and said, ah, 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 you were late and I'm going to make an example of you. So we aren't going to approve this story at all based on your tardiness. My fifth thought goes back to the previous podcast uh, where the Midnight Society all look very young in this episode, but that's more of an observation, I guess, than a thought. My sixth thought is if I used my dog as a prop for the story, it would have been entitled The Tale of the People Who Never Wake Up or The Tale of the Never-Ending Buffet. I hope Kiki would not be afraid of my dog. I mean, she's all of nine pounds and a Chihuahua Terrier mix. The scariest thing she would do to Kiki is sleep on her. Oh yeah, my dog is the dog on the banner of my um, blog page. Well, she's not in the banner anymore, but there's pictures of her on the blog. Uh, her full name is Robin Elizabeth Sparkles, and before you ask, no, she does not like them all. So those are my thoughts about the episode. Did you have similar thoughts? Did you enjoy this episode? Did I completely miss something that a lot of people found intriguing about it? Probably not. Like I said, this just was a really boring episode and I'm glad I never have to watch it again. So as always, members, I want to take this time to thank you. I realized that in this episode, and in particular this um blog post, I was pretty harsh on the Midnight Society, but I think it's because this episode was just really horrible in my opinion. I honestly almost passed on um, writing the blog when I was going to write the blog, and I would have passed on doing the podcast 
but because I had the blog and I basically just go off of my blog post for these podcasts, there was really not a reason to pass on it. And I thought to myself, you know, maybe since it's been about three years since I've written the po- the blog, uh, I should really go back for the podcast and rewatch the episode. Maybe I'll like it more. Nope. Did not like it more. In fact, it lost my attention even faster this time. And this is an example of one of the episodes where I constantly had to like go back and forth when watching it because it just... I lost my attention so fast from watching it. I missed a lot of stuff. Anyways, um, I know I normally give you a fun fact in the beginning of the episode, but let me give you the fun fact right now. So as I mentioned earlier, this episode guest starred Mia Krishner, who was the big guest star back at the time. This was probably one of her first uh, starring roles, if you will. But the fun fact for this episode is the guy who played Giles, David Francis, would go on and appear in two other episodes in the first um, series of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Um, Most notably as Old Man Corcoran in the tale of Old Man Corcoran. And the second episode that I will mention that he appeared in was the tale of Station 109.1, which coincidentally is the story that got Stig into the Midnight Society. So this was a season five episode. Uh, This story, I'm sorry, this tale also guest starred a young Ryan Gosling. So now that we have our fun fact out of the way, as always, um, members... I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to this podcast. Uh, The next episode that I will review slash summarize is our first Gary tale. It is the tale of the super specs, which is, this is a notable episode because it's our first introduction to that flamboyant magician. That's right. You know him as Sardo. No mister. Accent on the dough. So as always, dear listeners, I must bid you adieu now. And I just want to say, keep social distancing, don't breathe on people, wear a face mask, and wash your hands. Bye.